Welcome to the Hard Water Fishing Show. Jeff and Jason talk tactics, gear, and ice fishing legends. Welcome back to the Hardwater Fishing Show. It is Season 5, Episode 4 already, Jeff. It is the fourth week in November. We're heading into turkey time, one of my favorite holidays where you just eat and eat some more and then you get leftovers and it's just phenomenal. Um, we, we have a great show. We have a great show for you tonight. We interviewed uh, Colby, who is an ice fishing guide and a fly fishing guide out in New Hampshire and Vermont. So we'll talk to him later on in the show tonight um he sure had some great stuff and great tips so um looking forward to sharing that with everybody jeff what what are you uh what are you drinking tonight buddy yeah so i have new glaris again remember we had this discussion about this beer company that can only buy in wisconsin yeah i still think that is suspect but go on so so the vikings did beat the packers today so that was good but i'm still gonna drink a wisconsin beer so, um, this is made called Packer Dan- Tears. <laughs> made with Packer Tears, Aaron Rodgers Tears. Oh my gosh! Um, Dancing Man Wheat. Good lord! And so, this has a story, of course. If you dream of wheat, this brew will get your toes tapping. Since 1995, we have brewed Bavarian style wheat beers exclusively for the same great taste that grows. And malts are own Wisconsin wheat. In a world full of posers, this is a true Hefeweizen, naturally 100% bottle fermented and hazy. Expect this beer to cascade effervescence into your glass. The rich, spicy clove and cinnamon notes will greet your nose while sweet fruit and wheat kiss your lips. Lick the foam from your mouth and admit sometimes that you just got to get up and dance. What? You couldn't see my face while you're reading this because you're into it. <laughs> you know, there's words there I don't even know. And then there's other words that are highly concerning. And I'm, well, I don't, you drink, dream of wheat and dance, buddy. And and the problem is like, if you could see the lettering, this is what I'm reading. Like men of a certain age, have a trouble reading typing Hang on, this let me light get my readers. bottle. <laughs> yeah, I felt like it. So anyways, I'm gonna open this thing now. Whew, pretty good. Alright, so I am uh I'm still on my old man beers, I think, unless I'm corrected. But I this beer does not it does not go into um, extraneous speaking to try to lull you into a sense of love for itself. It simply says it's got two words to describe itself, Jeff. America's okay. beer. Hmm. Old Milwaukee. Oh, look at that can. It's like yeah, it's camel. camel it's a camel can. Yeah, nice. You know, that time of year. It's orange and it's got a little bullseye on it. So if you put it up on a fence post... Oh. Could shoot at it. Shoot Interesting. At it. Just with a safe background, of course. Yeah, of course. Mm, that sounds good. 
Yeah, it's just like I remember it. <laughs> I can't say that. I've never had this before. It's actually okay. And I'm not usually a big wheat beer person. That's why this has been in my fridge for a while. But anyways. All right. So after we got through that story, uh, <laughs> patrons, um, not Patron, uh, thanks everybody for your support. Um, we really appreciate yeah. it, uh, the continued support. Um Helping us pay for hosting our sites and doing that kind of stuff. It, it's awesome. So it is. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, show business. Um, we have a few people using our Amazon affiliate link, which is kind of nice. So another way to support the show. doesn't really cost anything. So um, if you click on the links that go to Amazon from our, our podcast page, you can you know help support the show that way. Um, gear. We do have a gear update. So the store that we had opened with some special merchandise like a hat and a t-shirt and sweatshirt has closed. Um, so we are again back on a Redbubble site. So you can still order merch. Um, it's just um, those specific items were only for the store for a very short time. Correct. We actually had somebody buy something today. So that's always there. And there's like t-shirts and hats. There's a baseball cap there. There's some other stuff there. Should we talk about the thing we're considering and just get some people want to give us some feedback? Like they can email us or send us a message or... Yeah. So we are thinking about hosting a virtual ice fishing tournament this year through Fish Donkey, right? And we're not 100% certain yet. So we're we're soliciting some feedback on that uh, Mm -hmm. topic if people be interested in participating. And we're not... This isn't going to be a money thing. I think we'll probably have a a low entry fee just to cover cost. Um, But mainly, um, you know, we'll put up a hat or a sweatshirt or something as a prize but mainly bragging rights uh have the winner yep. on the show to interview we can yeah. definitely do that Ooh, right? that yeah, sounds so like you want to be on the show for really easy time. so <laughs> let us know and the cool thing about the fish donkey app is we can open that up worldwide as long as you yeah. have the fish board um and the app with fish donkey it can be anywhere so we'll we're going to work on that um if you think it's a good idea just send us a thumbs up let us know um, if you think it's the dumbest thing you've ever heard, um, we'll probably do it anyway. But <laughs> <laughs> Jason and I will be like, there's one person and they won and got to be on the well, show. Nothing would make me, if it's just me and Jeff, and then Jeff has to interview me as the winner, that would make it all worthwhile. Oh, oh yeah, that, that would hurt, Jay. That would yeah. kill me. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so that that's in the works. Um, best place to interact with us is on social media, Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can email us at hardwatershow. Or you can find our website at hardwatershow.com. Um, you can find our YouTube page where I just put the last episode up today. Jay, you been there yet? No. Dang it. I know. I was going right, to do better. Well. Yeah, well. And you can email us at hardwatershow at gmail.com. So that's how you get a hold of us. And Jay, no, no fact checks this None. week. We didn't screw up. I wonder if Dave's well. been too busy to listen to the show. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if our fact checkers, if, if we screwed something up or said something <laughs> wrong. I, I appreciate that. I mean, because otherwise, how would we ever know? We just move forward with our ignorance, which is kind of what I do every day in my life. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, listener news and current events. So this is something I've been, I, I'm kind of a, YouTube junkie. I just am. Um, I like to watch cars and fishing on YouTube. And I wouldn't say it's endless, but there's a lot of good content out there. So it's easy to get sucked in and watch it a lot. Um, I mean, I have the 
YouTube Premium, so I don't have to watch the commercials because that's just I can't deal. That, with that. Is, I, I actually <laughs> thought about putting that like on my Christmas list this year, just because I do, I do actually go to YouTube on um, usually when something breaks, which happens a lot, to figure out how to fix it. So there's this guy in there, Jay Siemens is his name. He um, actually, I don't know how exactly he he has a YouTube channel that's pretty popular. He also has a product called Catch and Cook, which I had this summer. Um, it's like kind of like a shore lunch, but a different shore lunch, if you want to say that, like a better, maybe a better shore lunch. I don't know. I had it this summer actually with some walleye, um, Lake of the Woods walleye, um, and it was really, really good. But but he also has this YouTube channel, and he has some of the coolest trips, Jay. I mean, like, so the first one, and now there's a couple links that we'll throw in the show notes, but he um, had a friend, of course, that did fly in ice fishing. So like they would fly in into a lake that you couldn't get to in any other Holy way. Cow. And he put his gear in the plane. Yeah. It took him two trips. It took him two trips because you know you, those little those little yeah, planes you can't put a ton in it. So he two trips, but his buddy flew him out to this lake and he just fished it. Most of those planes like, you'd have day. to quarter me up to get me in and out on a lake. <laughs> yeah. But it but it was cool. Like they were catching trout on this lake wow. in the north, Manitoba. And it was super. You should cool. put you're on his YouTube, Jeff. You yeah, should put yeah. a comment on what does he have you looked to see if he interacts in his comments? Uh, he does. Then oh, yeah. You should yep. put a link yep. to our show in there and say, hey, we'd like like yeah. to have you as a guest and yeah. see if he'll see totally. if he'll get to you. So, um, and he had this other cool video. Um, and I know this is just kind of current events, but um, so he's been fishing this year. They drove north until they oh, found you're ice. Tell me about this. And so they went to Lynn Lake in Manitoba. I mean, they just took, pointed their pickup truck north and, like, drove and slept in it and drove. And Why don't we do stuff like ice. that? Oh, yeah, we got jobs and wives. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but, I mean, they were not on a ton of ice. I mean, it was, it was walkable, mm-hmm. solid ice, but no more than that. Um, and they were sight fishing trout, and they had awesome video. I mean, trout, it's just the trout episode today. It I think, is. Because we, we're going to talk about they're such pretty fish. They are. They just and they're really tasty. Are. Yep. All right. So that was my first kind of current events. That's just Jeff started watching ice fishing videos. I'm starting to get really antsy. Me too. You know, ice fishing shows, ice fishing mm-hmm. videos. Um, I organized my tackle today. Like I took everything out. I took a picture and put I it out I saw pictures there. of all your my junk. stuff. Yeah. So I cleaned it all out. I think you I got a couple of my lures. Boxes. I was kind of looking at some of that going, I think some of yeah. that stuff's mine. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. All right. Um, we also did get some, an email from Cody L. And Jason, this is right up your alley. Did you see this email? No. So Cody L. sent this email. He converted a ice shack, or I'm sorry, a cargo trailer into a, a kind of a wheelhouse, right? Like... It's not exactly a wheelhouse, but so he lives in Wisconsin and they don't get a ton of ice. So he, they don't want like an ice castle kind of thing. It was too big. So they took a small utility trailer, put some holes in the bottom and it looks really, really nice. So he sent us some pictures. It was a six by 12 enclosed trailer, insulated the walls, floor and ceiling, put some paneling, Wayne's coating. He used a torch to burn grain in the pine trim. Wow. Fancy. Vinyl floor catch cover conversion kit um and he sent us this awesome picture of six guys out there on the ice hanging out fishing all this thing. very cool 
Yeah, it, it was really cool. So you had talked about this for years. I did. You I eventually one. sold the trailer. Yeah, this this looks pretty nice, and, and I think this is what you would have wanted it to be. I've always struggled with it because it, it's, you know, I've got, I start off with like a six-hour drive almost other than Clear Lake to put it on the yeah. ice. Well, these guys are from Wisconsin. They said it sounded like they had not a ton of ice, but I mean, enough to support this. It looked so awesome. So I asked them to put some pictures out there. We'll put some pictures out there um, soon enough here. But thank you, Cody, for sending those in and sharing those. And, you know, I, I still think it's an awesome trailer, but I like seeing the picture of the guys out mm-hmm. in front, you know, having a weekend, getting out there. That's what it. it's all um, about. That's what it's about. Making memories. Yep. Uh,. I did see on Rogers on Red, which I don't know, they just seem to post. You know, that Red Lake is usually the first destination lake that kind of locks up, and um, Rogers on Red is a resort there. And they they showed pictures of ice, and then it was really windy, so now it kind of broke mm-hmm. up. But their prediction is the first week of December. That's almost that's a, not that far a away. full month behind last year. Yeah. So. So of course. Weather is weather. I don't know if that'll actually be that day, but that's what their prediction was. I don't make predictions. I'm guessing it's going to be a while. It's not been that cold. I mean, there's ice around, but nothing, nothing that you can fish yet. It'll happen. Um, It'll happen. Yep. I, I, I have seen some people way, way up north reporting that they were fishing like way up yeah. north. But, They're on those um, frog ponds. What, what was it last year? Early ice for a skinny frog. Early ice for a skinny frog, yes. I am not a skinny frog. <laughs> I am I am I'm on full feed. I am not a skinny frog. Gear. So Jay, um you had uh something you wanted to talk about in gear. Yeah, I'll I'll actually put some pictures of this on ours because uh the link I found it on you couldn't share. It's from a ice fishing group called Ice Holics or something like that. And it's a, a question we see a lot is how do you load um once you get a, a portable shack, a, a flip-over shack, and you fill it with all your stuff, I mean, these things are heavy. And so we see questions about, like, how do you load them? And people have all sorts of things. And this guy, I thought it was a really cheap, kind of innovative way to do it, um, is he took an aluminum ladder. So your aluminum extension ladders, and you can find these mm-hmm. 16-footers around. You know, some part of it will get bent, or you find them in a garage sale for 20 bucks. So he cut that down. He put a couple of bolted a couple of brackets on the end so it sits on his tailgate. And then he used all thread, ready rod or all thread, depends on what you call it, and made a series of um, PVC pipe rollers. So you take a, a PVC pipe, put a cap on it, drill a hole, put the ready rod through it so it creates a roller. And then he used that to push his ice shack up into his truck. I imagine it comes down a lot faster, but <laughs> so you can probably watch out. Yes. But the the beauty of that is that ladder is super light, so you made it. Yeah. It's not going to rust, you know. So it, if it gets mm-hmm. wet, it's not going to leave a rust mark on your on your thing. It's not going to get waterlogged. I just thought it was yep. a, another. I see these aluminum ladders used a lot. Um, I follow some boat building, tiny boat you know, older boat restoration projects. I think people use these ladders a lot for framing because they're light and they're cheap and you can't buy all that aluminum and put it together. So it was cool. It was a good idea. Um, I'll, cool. I'll throw some pictures up. So to help load an ice shack. Even a two-man ice shack, you get your 
propane tank, you get your, if you do a 20 pounder, I don't do those, but a lot of people do, you know, you get your heater, your Vexlar, your, your, you know, your flasher, your fishing gear. I mean, those things are, they can be four or 500 pounds if yeah. you're not careful. You know, so, <laughs> so to me, then the thing you, you create this little ladder thing and then, um, give you everybody yep. just another idea, I guess my, uh, brother's brother-in-law, um, put one of these in his pickup for unloading and unloading a smoker at smoking contest he's got a big cabinet smoker it's super heavy and he just took yep. you know he took a winch uh you know from harbor freight mounted yep. it in the front of the pickup so same thing you could do with the ice shack with that ladder roller mm-hmm. rack is you take that winch you you mount the winch in the front of the pickup you hook it up to the yep. ice shack it pulls it right up that nice ramp and then unloading you do the same thing you back it down so it doesn't take your feet out from underneath you and head down the parking lot. So you can do the same, you know, so that little $100, you know, winch, 20 bucks, use ladder, and you can safely yep. load and unload your heavy ice shack without any risk to hurting your, blowing out your back or, you know, needing three guys to help you lift it in. I think it, it's sharp. It's great. It's a good idea. Do it. I, I like it. I, I like it. And oh, I've seen those winch things too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, and they're what 100 bucks 150 bucks yeah even less I yeah i mean because you don't need anything okay. super high powered but the roller system to get it up there i think you know yeah. he just had one i don't think you'd need two you could do a, a double yeah. that would give you more stability but i think with with a winch you know you just kind of keep yeah. it steady down there i yep. think it'd work great that sounds like a great tip i i I need a pickup and a winch and a i sent you a shack. picture of a good pickup for sale I that's know, a nice I, one i saw that I'm telling you, you should get that. Yeah. It's, it's fast. Yeah, Is it's it? red. Oh, <laughs> it's red. I'm like, it has a 5.3, right? I Those mean, red trucks are yeah. twice as fast as the blue ones. <laughs> Gear-wise, so I, I mentioned earlier, I took my ace fishing gear out and kind of exploded it, right? I needed to take an inventory. I needed to figure out, are there any lures I need to buy? I think I need to get some new line. Um, those kind of things. So I kind of did that while I watched football today. I have nine frosty spoons of the same color. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was sitting here thinking of yeah, that might be a problem. Here's what problem. we should nine. do. We should switch ice fishing gear. I'll give you all my stuff to fish with for the season, and you give me all your stuff, and then we'll switch back. Be like you have all new stuff, just in a pile. <laughs> and it comes in. It comes in. A vintage backpack. <laughs> I know. I've seen your backpack. I, I do think, though, one of our listeners, I didn't, I have to look it up to see who said this. He mentioned that foam and those containers really help. And he had all of his lures really nicely in these foam containers. I think I might switch the way I put my lures in the into a container. I had a, you know, one of those flat single story, not that I have double story, you know, double story, uh, front and back um tackle box. i know what you're talking about I'm, but i'm enjoying watching you struggle i'm trying to describe it so it's like <laughs> you guys you, know, it's you a, can't it's see the tack- video but his hands are flapping <laughs> <laughs> so it's a plano tackle yeah. box and i've used these for ice fishing forever they are um small and they fit in your pocket you know like a big pocket mm-hmm. not like a jeans pocket but like they fit in my bibs so i really like them because i'll go i'll um if i'm fishing a species if i can keep that species in that tackle box i can put it in my pocket of my bibs and i can be mobile that way right i can take 
my jig box. I can take my rods and I can kind of move around and stuff. So I like that. So I want something that still fits in my pocket, but maybe something I can put foam mm-hmm. in it so that I can stick those lures because they get beat up. I mean, I've, I've, I threw lures away because they rattle around in there and then they fall apart. And so we had a good example of that. So I got to find just the right size jig box that I can put the foam in there and it still fits in mm-hmm. my pocket. All right. So I did go to the ice fishing show, the Hardwater Expo in Blaine, Minnesota. That was this weekend. I Googled that. It was too far away for me to get to. It wasn't that big. It was it was um, bigger than the first one I went to. The um, that was at the Adrenaline Center in Ramsey, but uh, it it was bigger than that. But it's not the St. Paulie's Fishing Show, right? It's like kind of a smaller mm-hmm. version of that. But they had clam, and you know they had some of the big names there. It was a little bigger. A couple things I saw there that was interesting were um, fish daddy lures. So I actually had um, him on few years ago we had him on i fished with him he has the led jigs he had a new one out that's a micro led spoon so basically it's like those glow spoons that we use with little sticks but instead of a little stick it's a little led so that you Mm -hmm. can not go through them as much Uh, i want to try those out unfortunately i was at the show and kind of had to leave something else happened and i had to leave so i didn't get to buy any but uh, andy and i who owns fish daddy lures um he said we were going to connect and I wanted to try those out. Cool, so very I'll cool. I'll be ordering a few of those. Yeah, so I want to try them out. Because it seemed like maybe if you don't have to buy as many of those little stick things, you know, that kind yeah. of, they're kind of one and done, right? Like, I mean, batter, the LEDs do, the battery does wear out, but I think it lasts quite some time. Second thing, I actually bought two of these. There's this cool, it's called Go Athletic Apparel. Basically, they're made in Minnesota. It's just somebody makes this, like, warm gear. Um, so I bought a, like a, Balaclava. Is it balaclava? Baklava? I think baklava is the thing that goes over Baklava, balaclava. Baklava? I'm Googling that. Baklava, balaclava. You put it over your head, like a head sock, and then you put your snowmobile helmet or your ATV helmet over it, right? To keep you warm. It's like thin. Yeah, baklava, B A K L V A, is a Greek dessert. I knew it was. Not a Greek dessert. Now, a balaclava. Balaclava. You could yes. eat a baklava in your balaclava. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I did not buy dessert. I bought a I'm hungry. balaclava. My wife's cousin, her husband and her, God, they made, they're, they, he's run a Greek restaurant. It's wonderful stuff. Anyway, oh. just. So. I'm not going to put food on my head, Jay. So so I always struggle with these things. They had a really nice one. It was nice and big to go over my head. Um, and I also bought this neck gator. And their prices were crazy cheap. Like this balaclava, not baklava. It was five bucks Wow, for the head sock thing. And then it was $15 for this neck gator. I forgot I was going to bring it in and show it to you. But um, it, it just goes around your neck to keep you warm. You know how you always seem to get air leaks around your... Your, where your hat meets your jacket. I grow my your, beard down that way in the winter. This is like a nice neck gator to kind of go all the way up and keep you warm. They had tons of other stuff too, but it looked cool. Yeah, I always get it right in like where the via your zipper comes down a little bit, yeah. right there in the center of your throat. So it was only $15 and it's super thick and it's like made of like dry wick material. I don't know. They had lots of cool warm weather gear. I thought it would, for a very reasonable price. And we don't, we're not sponsored. We don't get anything. It's just stuff I find that I think is useful. All right. So this next one, Jason, you're going to like. 
and maybe you're turning me on this now. Bass Kang or Kong? Bass Kong? They, they make these shuttles. Yep, I've been, I've been looking at these? this because I've got a Helix from Summer, and I got the Ice Deucer last year. I'm piecing it together every year. Yes. Um, but I need a shuttle. So I've always been kind of like, whatever. It's just a hunk of plastic. What's the big deal? But I saw these things at the show, Jay. They are really look really well built. Okay. And look really nice. Like I I I didn't use it, but like um, it has switches. I mean, it's three D printed, but I don't so know if I that wonder really if they're going to be at the St. Paul but, Ice Fishing Show because I'd sure I you know that might take me over the edge because I've been looking at them online, and I thought I'd wait. Yeah, I I bet you they will be, but they looked really nice, like nicer than the pictures made okay. them look. Like in the pictures, they look really like chintzy, plasticky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of. But when you touch them and stuff, they seemed a lot more okay. solid. So well, cool. I, I'll have to. Were they beating uh, their online price to show? Did they have a show price? There was a show price. Okay. Yes, there well, was a I'm show price. Hold I heard somebody because I, I that's been I've been really thinking hard about that, so I can use my Helix this year. Um, yep. In in some lakes, so I was thinking about using. I know this is digressing, but. I was thinking about using my Helix more on lakes that I might potentially fish in bo- on a boat at some point so I can save waypoints. Yep. And then yep. everything else, just the Ice 55. I'm going to digress with you. Let's digress yes. together. Where are we going? Where are we <laughs> we're going? Doing it. <laughs> so we're going to, this made me think of my Helix 7 mm-hmm. versus my Ice 35. Mm-hmm. Which is even a wider range yeah, you, of differences there, yeah. right? So that I my ice fifty five is pretty you know, that's a top of the line flasher from Hummingbird anyway. Last year when we fished last ice at Dave at up up at mm-hmm. Dave's, um, the I still struggled to see that thing outside when it was super bright out. Where my, my ice thirty five I could see it. I still struggled with it cranked all the way up. On a super bright sunny day, it was hard to see. And I don't know why. I use it in my boat all the time, and I don't have a problem seeing it. But it's something about the ice and the sun and the brightness. It it it, it it's harder to see than my flasher. I've heard so that. I, if I'm fishing outside, I almost missed having my 35 over the. So the you're, are you talking me out of hooking up this Helix? No. If you're in your shack, I, I would use my Helix all the time, saying. right? I mean. It was just that specific case where we were fishing outside. It was super bright. And even with it cranked all the way up, I felt like I wanted it brighter. And in that specific case. Okay. But but I barely touched my 35 last year after having the Helix 7. Um, partially because it has GPS and tells me where mm-hmm. to go too. So. Um, all right. Uh, the next thing I saw that was interesting, gear-wise was um, the Clam X100 Pro Thermal. I know that sounds like the what, right? Like, So basically, this is like top of the line, I guess you would call it, Clam Single Man Ice Shack. It was a one man with no poles that extend, Okay. but like the biggest, comfiest one they make. It was really nice. <laughs> it was really expensive. I think it's $800 or something like that. You know, these have gotten so it, expensive, it's going to take a lot to move me off the one I'm using now. $799. Yeah, it's $799. But um, the one thing I noticed, the tub was bigger and the poles were really wide. But they they still flipped over. You weren't 
extending poles. It was just a f- okay. flip over kind of thing. Um, but I also did try the, cause I still think I want a bigger one man. I have a one man, but it's almost just too mm-hmm. small for me. Um, I probably won't get one this year, but I, I still always look at them and envy them or not envy them. That's the wrong word. It's a bad word. What's the right word? I'm thinking of want one. I don't know. Would like to get upgrade to them. You long for um, one. I long for one. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but they have the clan clam Kenai or K E N A I. I think it's Kenai Kenai Pro. Um, it was a little smaller. It's super comfortable. It's a one man. It's just bigger than my one man. And I think what are those weigh? The shack I should have. They're not too bad. A Kenny Kenny. I don't know how you how do you say that? Kenai Kenny Kenai. Where are we learning our pronunciation? It, it teaches these words in Sesame Street. <laughs> it doesn't say how much it weighs. 50 pounds. Oh, that's not bad. Weighs 50 pounds. That's nice. No, yeah. And it's it's still, again, it's a one-man that's um, no extended poles. You just sit in it. You flip it over. Super mobile, right? Like, I mean... It's it's a really fun way to fish if you can get away with it. Well, right? especially when you're, um, I mean, that's one thing I do like about my clam nanook or whatever it is, is that yep, yes, the poles extend, but when you're looking just for the spot on the spot and you're going to move a hundred yards and you're just dragging by hand, I never yep. collapse the poles once it's put up. I just flip it yep. back and then I flip it forward yep. and then I flip it back and then I flip it forward, and or if you know you want to, most of the time, honestly. I flip it back instead of opening the door. Right. I just right. flip yep. it open. And and so I really enjoy that feature. And so I, I didn't have a hard time ever moving to a shack where to flip it up, I've got to take a pole out. or I mean, yeah. and you I can put a pole in back of me if it's super windy, but 99% of the time I don't need to do that. Yeah, and, and this and I like that Kini Pro. I, I think... I just looked at the weight of the hundred. The hundred that first one I told you that's really fancy weighs ninety pounds. See that? That's so, yeah. So heavy. That's so I think heavy. that yeah. So that Kenny Kenai Pro or whatever I think is still mm-hmm. the one I want. Fifty pounds, flip over, mm-hmm. fits your stuff in it. It's got a deep tub. It's super comfy. Because that so, will end at a hundred pounds when you put all your crap in it. If not, oh, more. it'll get way heavier. Than you know, so yes. if you're already at a hundred pounds and then you add yep. your stuff. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And I need a snow dog. You do. You do. <laughs> you do. do. It would be do. so much safer. <laughs> Anyways. So the last thing that I saw from a gear perspective, um, this is not something I still would like to try spear fishing again. It just, you know, we did it one time and then we sold off our stuff because we didn't really do very well. Or, I mean, it felt like we just cut a hole in yeah. the ice and stared at it and then said, huh it was the water was too dark <laughs> yeah i mean we we we, we yeah we, we had we, some implementation we went, issues we we had the saw and we had a spear and we had a decoy that was homemade and um we cut the hole which was a whole fiasco and we looked in the water and you couldn't see you couldn't see the decoy like two feet under the water <laughs> I mean, like work. i mean i don't know how you're gonna see a fish to to hit yeah so we kind of deconstructed from there but anyways i digress again from a spearfishing perspective um there was this guy who uh eric wallace who wallace decoys 
made some of the most beautiful decoys you have ever seen in your entire life. Um, that's what he does. He creates decoys. Um, it was interesting when I asked him, I'm like, so where do you fish? He's like, um, actually, I don't fish anymore. I just make decoys. So they're so beautiful <laughs> that you're like, really your job is to defend the decoy. It, it's really more like art. Yeah. I mean, it, it's more like art, but they were so cool. Like you couldn't help but stop and talk to them. And he was a super awesome guy. And he talked to me for quite some time about them. And I, I don't know. I mean, they're really pretty. If I'll put a link on our site, full realism. You know, he's won tons of competitions. It was just really cool how uh, how awesome they cool. looked. Um, I, he was a bunch of videos. He was on a. I don't know if you're from Minnesota. You might know what Minnesota Bound is, but it's a TV show that they do on you know outdoorsy stuff. And uh, he was on there and some other kind of local TV shows talking about his skills with this. So I thought it was cool. Very cool. Um, so that's what I had for gear. Most of it was around that ice fishing expo, expo and then me digging apart my lures because I can't go ice fishing yet. You know, I was telling you about this the other day. I'm still pondering. And so I, I'm going to mention it. So maybe somebody's got a good, someone has done this. And so I want them to send me a picture if they're so inclined. I'm trying to figure out a better setup for my camera. So I've got that um, camera. It's a Markham camera. And it comes in a little... Underwater camera. The underwater camera. Sorry, underwater camera. Fish camera. And so it comes in a brick. It's like a box-shaped brick. And all that stuff's got to get tucked in there just perfect. You know, so it, it all fits and you can zip it up tight so it doesn't flop all over. And then when you go to use it, this old Milwaukee makes you really burpy. I'm just like <laughs> bubbling. Between that and we went out for, we did a Chinese buffet tonight. I'm just like, yeah. Oh boy, Chinese buffet and then yeah, you had beer? Yeah, and then old Milwaukee on top of Chinese buffet. Wife's in for a rough night. That's all I can tell you. Um, <laughs> God bless you. Um, so, what do they call that? The Dutch oven? <laughs> we're not going to get into my personal life. <laughs> so... <laughs> you know, so I'm trying to think through how to make something for this camera that incorporates a um, like a reel or something for the for the um, the the wire and the cable and stuff, and just is easier to deploy. Because sure. that's the trouble with them is it takes all this time to kind of get it out and hook up the tri the you know the thing to what what do you call that thing to make yep. it turn tripod the panner. The panner. Uh, panner. So if anybody it's has an idea or has done something, I've got a lot of ideas. I probably don't need ideas. What I need is pictures of something somebody has done successfully. That actually that works. That works, yeah, because I've got all sorts of thoughts. I always do. Um, I'm always long on ideas and short on implementation. So if somebody's got something tried and true for that, I'd really appreciate it. Go ahead and send that to me. I'll thank you profusely. And if it works, I'll maybe even have you on the show to tell me about it. I like that. Ooh, that sounds awesome. I don't know if that's a prize or not, but <laughs> <laughs> is that a penalty or a prize? <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, um, I think that's for gear. I think you know the rest of the show here. We're going to move on into our interview. Yeah. So we we have Colby coming up next, and he is an ice fishing guide and a fly fishing guide in New Hampshire and Vermont. He has all sorts of really great information on fishing out that direction. That's way different. Just kind of in how some of the stuff they do and what they call some things. So anyway, I, I don't. You'll hear it here in a second. So uh, it's coming up next. Thanks. 
All right. Tonight we have Colby Sabutis, who's an ice fishing guide and a guide in New Hampshire on with us. He works for the Woodstock Inn and Resort as a fishing guide. He also is on his local fire department and he's born and raised in New Hampshire. So he definitely has a different fishing perspective than Jeff and I from the Midwest. We're pretty excited to have Colby on tonight. Yeah, very excited to be on. Awesome. So we decided. I'm just, I want to share this. Now, Colby has, he has been working and asking for a couple of years to get on the show. And, you know, the first you're like, oh, we can't let him on yet. It's too, you know, that'd be too easy. (laughs) So we've been making him work at it. And and we are certainly excited to finally to have him share his uh, ice fishing expertise with us. So thank you for your persistence, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Awesome. So I think, you know, we don't always do beverages with guests, but I think today we're, we're going to do a a beverage. So um, I think we'll let Colby start us off here um, just because he's our guest. So uh, what do you, what are you drinking today, Colby? All right. So I have a nine 11 hard cider and it's a cranberry and they're out of New York and the can is looks like an evergreen Christmas tree. Hmm. Huh. It's very festive on this almost Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Not too bad. Yeah, good opening. All right, Jeff. Jeff, tell us your your story. You know, you got a story. It's not that big. I have the, uh, it's from Great Lakes Brewing Company, um, which I thought was up in Minnesota, but it appears it might be in Ohio. Um, But it's called Elliot Ness Amber Lager, which is interesting because Elliot Ness is famous for busting Al Capone, right? So I don't know. I guess they named a beer after him. So it said, admittedly, it's a bit, bit, bit of a paradox to name an Amber Lager for history's most famous agent of prohibition, but it's smooth, multi, and dare we say, arresting paradox. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> That's what I got. <laughs> but I'm sure you have something less interesting, Jason. Let me see if they're saying and written on this can. Beer. This can, <laughs> it, it, it says it very succinctly. It says America's beer. Do you know what that is? Budweiser? Old Milwaukee. Old oh. Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> that was a shot. <laughs> I think that qualifies as an old man beer. It do, it's got to. It's got, yeah. yeah. I mean, if it doesn't, I don't know what does. Unlike Bud Light, which is not an old I've man beer. I've taken so many hits on the Bud Light <laughs> situation. I forgot to open mine, so here you go. interesting (laughs) (laughs) all right so let's see let's look at our questions here so colby how did you tell us how you became a fishing guy because nobody's ever asked me to be one (laughs) all right so when covid originally hit the woodstock inn which is in vermont um they had a posting for a fly fishing guide so i went ahead and i applied for it stuck my head out there and sent off my application um, have pretty decent experience in fly fishing. So they went ahead and they extended the offer out to me. Uh, the Woodstock Inn doesn't have a ice fishing program or a guide program there for ice fishing. So when my boss found out that's what my other biggest hobby besides fly fishing in general, uh, he said, well, we're going to put you in charge of the ice fishing program. 
Um, unfortunately, it lasted only a short season and they didn't continue it this year. Um, so that's kind of the unfortunate part. They're outsourcing it to me. Um, so I'm doing it privately on the side instead of actually physically through them this year. So on top of my regular grooming job that I do for cross country skiing with them, I'm going to do ice fishing as well. Oh, that's cool though. I mean, you're, you're parlaying that into a private business. That's, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Something that's been a dream for quite a while and just haven't found anyone to kind of help me or guide me in the right direction. And the Woodstock in with the help from our fly fishing guide, he kind of put me in the right direction with it. Mm-hmm. Well, then, and then you get to, you got to see that structure of how they went about it and move that into your own, your own work. That's cool. Absolutely. Yeah. How, how long is the ice fishing season there? Uh, is it, it de- similar to us? So it depends. It We've been out on the ice as early as the week before Christmas, all the way through until sometimes the second week in April, but it really depends on what we have for a freeze on our lakes. Um, like the big lake, Lake Winnipesaukee in New Hampshire, they'll declare ice in and they declare ice out. So it all depends on safe ice, but the smaller ponds you can usually get a week before Christmas straight through to the middle of April. So is there a, like a game fish season that you're playing with there? Like we have walleye closes in Minnesota at a particular Jeff, you know, the weekend. Uh, it's February 28th, end of February. Yeah. End of February it closes. And so that shuts a lot of that fishing down. Do you guys have something similar to that out there? So we have a um, season for trout. So trout fishing in New Hampshire ends in um, the 15th of October on a lot of lakes and rivers. So when I fish on my own in New Hampshire and I fish a couple of tournaments and derbies we do in New Hampshire, then we're targeting fish. Um, We're targeting lake trout, rainbow trout, brook trout, um, and small panfish like that. So if we're targeting trout, that's uh, January 1st okay. and it goes, um, not too long. So it goes till right around April. Um, and then at April 1st, we're allowed to fish for salmon and stuff like that on open bodies of water, not through the ice. So hmm. salmon in New Hampshire is an illegal species through the ice. Um, but if you can find open water after April 1st, you're allowed to go for it in Vermont. We don't really have a particular species that we're targeting. Um, most of my trips that I do with clients are either going to be crappy bluegill or pike. How did you say that, that word crappy? You said it differently. <laughs> crappy. <laughs> depends on who you ask in New Hampshire. Cause everyone says it differently. And then when you go to Vermont, they just say panfish. They <laughs> even like, they don't even distinguish between the species. Huh. Okay. It's kind of funny. And then you have the people who are really hardcore that will fish just for that. And they're looking just for the trophy ones instead of the smaller ones. So everyone says things a lot different than, <laughs> than what people think else. Are. <laughs> now, do they call, do they call an ice house a Bob house? Is that a, is that, is that a, is that a thing? Yeah. So we have uh, people call them Bob houses. They call them ice shanties, ice shacks, um, some people will call them hard houses or hard sided houses. So it's not, a, you know, that different from you guys sure. with things. Um, but we're starting to see a lot more people with the pop-ups. So the yeah. Eskimo pop-ups, the clam pop-ups, so like that, and they'll go and put them on the lake and leave them there for a full weekend without a problem. Mm-hmm. So we're starting to see that take off more than the hard sided, but 
hard sided are still the traditional style here and they have to be completely off the ice at a certain time. Um, and obviously that's within reason, depending upon the ice conditions like that. So where, you know, wherever you feel that you can keep it on till ice out when you're supposed to take it off, keep it. But there are people that take them off way earlier than that because they're just not something that you want to fall through. A fishing game is yes. not very, they're not very happy when they fall through. <laughs> no, they don't get, like, they don't like that here either. They get cranky. <laughs> they get very cranky. environmental stuff. Yes. And it's probably yes. not good. I mean, the structure is yeah. not bad, but the rest of it's not good. Well, the structure would be fantastic for a species of fish. Absolutely. <laughs> but no, yeah. I don't think they want it floating in a shallow bay or a shallow harbor when boats are constantly going in and out. Yeah. You don't want to hit that thing with a boat motor. No. <laughs> Colby, what's your favorite thing about being an ice fishing guide? Like, it sounds like this is your second year and, and uh, you know, what, what have you really liked about it? The biggest thing I take away is, is being able to take people who have never done it before or never set foot on the ice and bring them out to the ice and you greet them. I have to be out an hour ahead of time to get everything all set up. I have coffee, hot chocolate, the Bob house traps, holes drilled, everything. Wow. And I meet them on shore. And sometimes it's kind of one of those situations where you have to convince them that the ice is safe enough to walk on. And other times it's not. So I like to be able to do it and to see differences of religions and people's beliefs and skill levels too, is another big thing. Mm -hmm. So, but I, I, one of the big thing is we had um, a lot of kids this past year and teaching them how to do it. They know how to fish regular, you know, regular open water. And then they've never seen some of the fish we have in Vermont. So to get them on those is pretty fun. So what are some of the unique fish that you guys go after? I mean, you know, in Minnesota, we have, I mean, mostly we have panfish, right? Um, and, you know, we have northerns and walleyes and, and you know, I mean, there's some other things, but I, I trout is, I mean, we have trout, but it's pretty small, but what, what, what other kind of fish do you guys have? Um, so we go lake trout, rainbows, brooks, and browns. Wow, okay. um, there is the cusk or what you guys would call eel powder burbot. Oh, okay. Cusk, yeah. We call it mm -hmm. cusk. Um, and lake trout, we call lake trout, even though it's not actually a trout, it's an Arctic char species. Same with brook trout. Hmm. Um, and a lot of people call them togue, but in New Hampshire, most of the time you'll hear them say lake trout uh, or lakers is what we call them for nickname. So those are kind of some of our funner species we go for. Um, white perch, yellow perch, and of course, you know, your, your basic pumpkin seed. Sure. And bluegills for sure. How big will the perch get out there? uh which species do you like were you talking white or yellow Ooh, sure that'd be the same yes. fishes that we catch yes <laughs> either one <laughs> so sometimes you can get some white perch in excess of two pounds wow okay um, yellow perch you can get right up to the two pounds sometimes you can get them a little bit bigger but it's not really common and, and i think a yellow perch is the same thing that we would call a perch in minnesota i think yeah, yeah green I guess and I, yellow stripes almost yep. like tiger yeah yeah, yeah. And then white, uh, white, or yeah, white perch are more similar to almost a striper in a sense. They have the lateral lines, they have the dorsal fin that's just okay. like it. And so, I don't think we have anything like that. No, uh -uh. <laughs> they haven't made it so out that you, far yet. Yeah. So, you've listened to our show for a while. So, as you've listened, what is one thing you're like, wow, that's really different there? compared to the way we fish here is, is everything other than some of the different species pretty similar? 
Um, a lot of the species are pretty similar. Um, one of the big things that I, I take away from what you guys talk about and the people and your adventures and everything like that are the seasons and the changing of the seasons where you have cutoffs throughout the winter time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also the other thing that's really interesting to hear is people have ice houses like yetis or ice castles or stuff like that. We don't really see those out here. And if we started seeing them, they'd be pretty cool. But a lot of times I think people are more geared to where they build their own bob house and it's something that they've built and they enjoy doing instead of this big, massive camper you're hauling out on the ice and, and you lower down. But I would love to actually see a, an ice castle or a Yeti out here. It'd be pretty cool. Jeff, it sounds like we need to hook up the, the Yukon and head east. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I, I will drive if you pay for gas. Yeah, it gets about eight miles, eight miles a gallon or so when you pull pull that beast. Yeah. Depends on, yeah, yeah. probably. No, it, it it is a sight to be seen. Like uh, we're, you know, Jason's been out there out Malax when we're, which is a pretty big lake here in Minnesota, and and you know, there's just thousands and thousands of those things out there. Like at night, you just look across the lake. I mean, you can't see across the lake, but you look as far as you can see, and it's just ice houses everywhere. So it's crazy. Yeah, we have a spot like that on Lake Winnipesaukee in Meredith where my parents live, and that's where I've grown up and fished. And Meredith Bay is very small, but you're pretty sure to find anywhere between maybe 50 to 150, 200 bob houses out there. Sure. And they're not just like the four sides and a door. Some right. of them have a oil tank outside with a fireplace inside with a deck. Some of them oh, are yeah. nice. Oh yeah. They get pretty crazy. Some of them are, are just, you know, like I said, your basic pop-up or yep. some people go crazy and build like an actual castle with the flags. <laughs> and the, the That's awesome. And everything. Yeah. It's kind of cool. So it's, it is interesting in that like the, the wheelhouse craze hasn't gotten there yet. Yeah. You know, Jeff, maybe we need to move to New Hampshire and open up a Yeti. I know. Or something. Yeah. Well, but, they can't, they can't make them fast enough here. So so you, know, you said, go ahead. I'm sure on up in uh, like, like Sebago or Moosehead and stuff like that in Maine, I'm pretty sure they've probably gotten into them up there, yep. but I don't know. I've never seen one in New Hampshire yet. Hmm. So. Hmm. Wow. And, and the ice gets, you get a couple feet of ice or 18 inches of ice out there. Yeah. We've had, we've had 24, uh, okay. I think two years oh, ago, nice. we were up to 36 inches almost. Oh, yeah. It's plenty okay. of ice. Wow. Uh, yep. Yeah, they were. So uh, Lake Winnipesaukee goes from Meredith to Alton Bay. It's the largest lake in New Hampshire. It's 26 and a half miles to go all the way around. Ooh, wow. Uh, they used to a long time ago before I was even born. They used to drive from Meredith to Alton Bay on the ice straight <laughs> across the broads. And, and they haven't been able to for the past six or seven years. And then two years ago, there were reports of ice being thick enough over the broads to do so. So the broads are 300 plus feet deep in some Ooh. areas. So for that to freeze solid enough for a car is pretty substantial. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. So Jason, you, there's, there's so many trips we could take if we just didn't I, have to work. You know, the thing <laughs> that pesky work thing, um, the, uh, it, you know, and with Oli, our buddy Oli, who, who we've talked about, you know, he, he loves trout, like, that's this deal. So we could probably do, you know, we maybe mm-hmm. need to get a hard water invitational and head out, yeah. head out uh, east to fish trout. That'd be awesome. I, I think it's, it's, it's time. 
think you're right. <laughs> we do need a few more than four days, though, I think, because we'll have to, uh, you know, yeah. we'll need more time. Maybe we just take a guide and fly there. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, <laughs> write the check, right? Right. Well, Col- well, we'll we'll talk to Colby. He can hook us up. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Colby, you mentioned that your folks grew up in, you grew up fishing. So what age were you, how old were you when you first started ice fishing? Talk to us about that. Uh, ice fishing was probably around seven or eight years old. Cool. Uh, it actually might even be a little bit older than that. Um, I still have my very first ice fishing traps that my dad bought for me. Um, we used to have a little shop right downtown in Meredith that I'd walk into and the owner got to know me ever since I was little. So when I walk in, he's pretty happy to see me all the time. And they used to sell tip ups that were half the size of like your regular heritage Laker tip up for being put in a backpack. And I still use them today almost all the time. You, you just used a term that, that we don't use. You said ice fishing traps. Yeah. Traps, tip ups. Um, Okay. (laughs) It, it all kind of depends on which style we're talking about. But if I'm not jigging, then I'm using a trap. So it's like a tip up, but you, you said they're kind of half size. So they, so when I think of a traditional tip up, I would describe like a, a beaver dam tip up, which is basically like a board, right. With a yeah. reel in the middle that goes into the water and then um, a flag that, you know, when the wheel, the reel spins, the flag goes up. Um, yeah. Is that kind of the same thing or are your guys is constructed differently? No, so I use I use those as well. I have a okay. custom made one from a company in Sabatis, Maine. My parents okay. bought me one, um, but we use ones that are straight stick up and down, and then they have a crisscross like an X style, and okay. it's down below. So it's a um, HT Enterprises makes them. They're called mm-hmm. Heritage Laker Traps. Hmm. Uh, we use those. Uh, we'll use the the boards like the Beaver Dam. The other thing that we use is. Um, Fraybill or clam has the round ones that sit on top of your hole. So your snow doesn't yep. blow. We use those two. Um, yep. So when I'm not jigging, it's usually with that, but I'm allowed anywhere between um, two to six lines per person. Oh, wow. the lake I go. So I'll usually have two jig holes open and four traps out or tip ups out depending upon where I am. Yeah. We so get like a keep- two max, right? <laughs> that's that, ke- that keeps you busy though if you're setting and running four tip-ups and jigging a couple of lines or even running six tip-ups that's a that we you'd be drilling a lot of holes so what's what's your auger setup what are you using for that so i started out with a hand auger one of the striker lasers the old crank bless the, you the the more i think it, the more it was uh blue sit there and crank it down um and then about seven or eight years ago, I got a Jiffy auger. I bought it secondhand. The auger now I think is right around 34 years old from when it was actually manufactured. Um, it didn't run at all. So I partnered up with Eskimo ice fishing and they actually supplied me with uh, a couple hub shelters. They supply with, with me with my full uniform bibs, jacket, everything underneath. Um, and then I ended up buying an auger through them. So I have a new, uh, gas powered auger from them Okay, we use and we'll burn, I don't know, probably half a tank of gas a day, wow. which isn't a ton of holes because we will put our, our, um, fish finders down to see what's going on. But yeah, we usually use just that auger there. Cool. I haven't gone to battery yet. It's something I want to do, but it's too expensive. So I haven't gone over. Yeah. Yeah. I I have a battery one, but back to the wheelhouse thing is 
Um, I didn't want to run a gas auger in my Ajax, so I got an electric one. You can't afford to lose any brain cells as it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I can see where that would be an issue with the gas inside. So cool. Um, well, that's pretty awesome that you could team up team up with uh, with them and and get some gear and and uh, try their stuff out. So. so what's your favorite fish? I know we talked about you know a bunch of different ones. What's the one that like you gets you up in the morning or gets you out there when it's really cold outside um so in new hampshire it's anything it, it doesn't matter what specific species i'm going for i love lake trout and i love rainbow trout just because the fight hands down is phenomenal mm-hmm. when they see the the light coming through the hole they'll dive mm-hmm. um one of the really cool things about lake trout when we get them we're fishing them some people fish them anywhere between 20 to 100 feet deep so if we're fishing at 40 as soon as we pull them up they burp so they're one of the only fish out there that can actually burp the air out of their bladder hmm. so that they don't always have that issue with being brought from a, a really mm-hmm. deep depth and have that bladder being kind of dysfunctional. Uh, when I take my clients out in Vermont and I'm actually working, I like to go for pike. I've never caught pike before in my life. And last year, my first one that I caught through the ice was 32 inches. Wow. So <laughs> was that on, now was that on a, a trap as you say, or was yep. that on a jigging rod? Nope. So that was on my iFish pro. I, um, I, I partnered up with iFish pro to get a bunch of traps in for the guide service and to get some stuff in from them. So we set one up with a double predator rig and we got into some, some pretty big, pretty big pike out there. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, yeah that's so, solid. <laughs> so the iFish Pro, I've I've seen a little bit of these and I've I've seen them. I haven't have had one, but are those the ones where you use a rod with it too? Where yeah. so a couple uh I think it was not I don't know if it was last year or the year before. You guys did an episode where somebody talked about barber uh bobber stops. Mm-hmm. Yep. I wrote to you about bobber stops. Yep. So bobber stops we have to use with our jig poles in order to use the iFish Pros. Because okay. you have to put the latch mechanism um, underneath the bobber stop so that when okay. the fish pulls your line, it actually pulls the mechanism out to set your flag off. Gotcha. And so then you have your rod sitting next to it and the iFish Pro and your line goes through the hole with that bobber stop. And when the fish takes it, the bobber stop kind of makes the flag go up. Yes. Yep. And then you pick the rod up or you run to the hole frantically like, <laughs> right we used to run faster when we were younger now we maybe trot or we used to tackle each other on the way to this, but we don't do that anymore but, but yeah yeah. So, yeah i know i gotta, but but then you can play you can reel it in on your like kind of spinning rig right is that usually what you use yep yep so yeah. as soon as the flag goes up you'll hear somebody yell flag and then it's a free-for-all whoever gets there first <laughs> gets it and we will take the rod out of the holder and we remove the trap to get it out of the way of the hole. And then, yeah, it's just, it's just like fighting a regular fish with a rod and reel. You have that drag, awesome. which is a huge help compared to winding yeah. it in. <laughs> Why did it? Um, does that too, is that a, a hook setter too, or is it just a trip device? Cause I know they have some that are like jaw jackers or something like they call them usually like, yeah, no, it's just a, it's just a flag device. So gotcha. basically you, you'll set it and you'll leave your bail open. Okay. And that's what allows the fish to grab it and run. And then it goes okay. off or close your bail. Yep. Hook yourself. So you set the hook when you, yep. when you get it to the rod. Cool. Oh yeah. 
So for for trout, what what's your bait? What what do you how are you rigging the trap? Or if you're jigging, what are you using? What's your go-to? So if I'm jigging, I'm using clams leech flutter spoons, or I'm using that new um, pinhead jointed minnow, or the um, that's a good one, the taki minnow. And if I'm using a trap, I'm doing um, a medium shiner, or I'm using smelt rainbow smelt. And frozen smelt, I'm assuming then? Nope, straight live. Live? Can, oh, I, yeah. can we even get that in our area, Jeff? I don't know if we have live smelt. I think it all comes from the freezer. <laughs> I think it comes, yeah. Well, so one of the things, so smelt is extremely hard to keep alive when you get it alive. So you can try to keep it for two days, <laughs> but usually they're dead after that one day. So you try to use them. But when you hook them, we hook them in the back, right? Uh, either behind or in front of the dorsal fin. And if you go too low, you end up killing them anyways, because you go through the spine. So I like to go more of the shiners because they're a little bit hardier and there's more meat in the back that I can actually hook through instead of killing all my bait within the first time. See, that's, we always joke that shiners have no will to live. (laughs) (laughs) They they just seem to give up constantly. (laughs) The ones we get. The fat heads, the fat heads and, and, crappy minnows will live forever but yeah you get shiners or suckers and you get a day and they have no will no willpower we, we okay. do fish suckers for um cusk okay. or in vermont i fish suckers for pike yeah, yeah. absolutely I'm fishing small suckers i'm not fishing anything too big so yeah i know you go to the bait shop sometimes and you're like whoa keep that that's as big as the things I'm catching. Yeah. Flay it so, out in the event yeah. of emergency. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, so if someone was just going to start fishing for trout, what would you, what would you say they should, I know you said about the leech flutter spoon, but what, what kind of, what, what would the rod look like? What kind of reel would you recommend um, line that kind of stuff? What do you, what do you suggest? Oh, geez. Um, I didn't put that on the list of questions. I'm putting you on the spot. Put, put everything in the history of ice fishing. Go. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Go. So uh, I, unlike the short rod show guys, um, there's not a lot of schoolie rods used out here. Um, there are some people that are old school. They like to use the schoolie rods. Um, but our rods are typically 28 to 36 inches. Okay. Uh, if I'm going for a lake trout, I'm using a heavy rod or a medium heavy. Um, I have a couple custom rods built from limit Creek outfitters did a bunch of custom rods uh, and had those built. I'm working with a guy in, I believe it's Portsmouth, New Hampshire right now, uh, driftwood fishing company. He does fly rods, all custom built. We're working on a line of ice fishing rods right now. Um, so we're kind of playing around with what's that kind of golden length, golden power, but for trout, medium to medium heavy is perfect um 28 is like the smaller side i know some people go a lot smaller than that um i would say my longest rod is 42 inches 40 or 42 inches long Uh, but that's a straight heavy rod so that's gonna be my laker rod um my reel is gonna be oh geez i don't even remember what reel i have on them um Fluger for sure. I'm just not yep. sure which one. And I have a Shimano on one of them as well. Okay. So, uh, it, but for, for a pound test and for a line, 
you have to be very careful with it. They are shy in the wintertime, but they're also very shy with pressure and resistance too. So if I'm doing that, I'm right around six pound for Lakers, which is kind of really all right. Um, But with the teeth on it, you break them off a lot because you're using light lines. So I'll do like a good size braided leader or braided line. And then I'll do an eight pound fluorocarbon leader for Lakers, but my rainbow is all six pound. So then you're doing a a leader on your traps. Uh, Yeah. All my traps have leaders and they are all four and a half pound leaders right now. Wow. Yeah. So my traps that I use personally are all four. My traps I use for guiding are all eight pound. So I, I changed that just because clients who have never ice fished before, it's kind of hard to teach them and have them understand. You got to let the fish run when he wants to run. <laughs> it's hard for anybody to understand. You're like, I want to, I want to get that thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. in there. They get super excited when you say, Oh, it's a pike. They're like, Oh my goodness. I don't know what it is. Let me look at it. <laughs> um, for, for lures, uh, we're using the leech flutter spoon. We're using um, the dingle drop, the epoxy drop. Uh, and my all-time favorite Swedish pimples. Swedish pimples, yeah. Swedish pimples with a bare hook because you cannot have a treble hook baited in New Hampshire. Really? Okay. Yep. So if you want to bait a treble hook, you have to cut two hooks off and have one with bait on it. So it's not actually considered a treble hook anymore because you don't have three hooks. Sure. But you have to have only one hook with bait on it in New Hampshire. You cannot bait a treble well, that's weird. Don't they have just some weird rules generally, like for fishing? It's like, who gives a rip? Oh, we've got them all here. Cause you know, Jason, know. We, we have the, um, you can't put a treble hook. I think you have to have a spoon, right? That's why like sometimes yeah. check your regs. Don't trust me on this one. But like there are certain times where you, you have to have some type of lure or something on there with your treble hook. Right. Otherwise you can't do it. Yeah, right. otherwise you can only do one treble hook. You can't yeah. do two treble hooks. But if you put the lure, the little like blade on there that's like the side, like a tiniest blade you can find, then, it's then that makes okay. it okay. Yes. Yeah. No. Well, the other thing too, I don't know. Do you guys allow lead when you're fit where you are fishing? They do. Yes. yes. We, we do not allow lead at all oh. in New Hampshire. It's a lead free. We would be leaving half of our tackle at home, <laughs> which is okay. I got enough to share. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> so you're using, you're using the tungsten alloys or? Yep. Tungsten, steel, um, some old lures I have or tin. Yeah. We're going way, way, way back. Um, but yeah, usually it's that tungsten or, or steel. They, they've promoted, I know in Minnesota, and certainly I'm, I, you know, we want to help the environment. Um, they've promoted it quite a bit to not use lead, but it's certainly pretty. I mean, I would say 80% of the lures, except for tungsten jigs, are going to be lead in Minnesota or Iowa. And I think when uh, I think you guys actually had a, a question that says, How many fish were caught on lead jigs at one point in time? And the, the answer that someone said was all of them, because that was true. And now that with lead poisoning in, in lakes with loons and other waterfowl, it's become an issue. So they're outlawed at completely in New Hampshire. Um, we do allow lead sinkers for cusk because they're a certain size. So we have certain rules for cusk oh. traps and stuff like that. Hmm. They're not there yet. There's so much, there's so many cottage industries and just little guys making 
you know, jigs and, and all that yeah. stuff that they're hand making and hand molding. And I don't know, I'm sure, I'm sure at some point it's going to get there. It'll, it will. It's going to happen. Oh, absolutely. So. Just to be able to get the tungsten though is so hard to get it from suppliers. And then when you finally get it, you have to sell it for a high premium because it's so expensive. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, your tungsten jig, which could be equivalent to like a quarter ounce lead is probably going to be 14 or $15 as the lead would be five. Wow. So the price difference for tungsten is significantly different. Think about uh, Northland rattle spoons that we buy. I just found out I had eight of them. Imagine if they're all tungsten, $15 versus like five. <laughs> Probably. Anything else we missed that you wanted to talk about? One of the things that that I, I've I've kind of looked at and I like to do, I f- we fish tournaments out here. So we mm-hmm. fish the Winnipesaukee Ice Fishing Derby and we do it fairly. I've been doing it ever since I started ice fishing and I'm 34 now. So you figure if I started at eight, I've been doing it every year. Um, and it is absolutely crazy to actually fish a tournament like that, where it's every lake in the state of New Hampshire, you're allowed to fish on. That is not a trout specific or a trout designated body of water. And some of the fish you guys would have to, to come out and see some of the fish are <laughs> easily big enough to swallow our feet that they're pulling in. Oh, there's Lakers that they're, they're pulling in that can swallow a size 11 foot. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's pretty crazy. And the the stakes, I think pretty sure the stakes this year are right around $50,000. I might be off a number or two, um, but that's what they, the stakes are pretty high for the winner. And that's really nice because a couple of years ago, a 13-year-old kid won or a 12-year-old kid won on wow. a, a pickerel. <laughs> so cool. That's college fun for him right there. <laughs> so awesome. and that happens over the course of the day or is it a couple of days or? Oh, it's the... 13th and 14th of february this year i believe it's the weekend after super bowl oh whatever weekend that is i think it's the 13th and 14th so everyone's going to be out there fishing on valentine's day and hopefully their wives or girlfriends are not going to be yeah i was just yeah somebody that that creates conflict (laughs) well it depends if i like to go fishing with you then you're perfectly fine and if that's the case then you better hope that they're not as good or that they're better than you so that <laughs> yes. yeah yes win the, the trophy prize somehow yeah absolutely yes. yeah at that point i don't care who wins as long as someone in the family does that's right that's right that's awesome cool so have you ever won i have not won yet okay um, we i like were, the confidence we were on the board five years ago with a perch and it got kicked off and then a buddy of mine went out the next day and caught a perch and won fifty dollars off of it hey but I didn't go out the next day. So I didn't win any money because oh. I didn't have a fish to submit. So is it each species has a particular, the biggest of each species or is it overall or what is it? Yep. So it's the top four or five of six different species of fish. So you have, okay. you have cusk, rainbow, lake trout, uh, pickerel, crappy, yellow perch, and white perch. So you have seven species and you have, it's either four, like I said, four or five uh, places and it's the heaviest one of each category over the course of the two days we'll put put in a hat and they'll draw out of the hat but if you win if you're the biggest rainbow on saturday and you stay on the board all day long then you win a prize okay cool if you're second place so the money goes all the way down to 50 bucks is the minimum oh i remember something i was gonna what, what are you using for electronics so right now i have a garmin striker 
which is what I started out with uh, four and a half, five years ago. I started with that. Okay. Uh, it's got a regular boat transducer. So I, I have mm-hmm. that kind of rigged up on a, the little foam noodle they give you for a float. Mm-hmm. I have it zip tied. So it sits the right way. <laughs> that's like um, some good engineering. That sounds good. I use duct tape, but duct tape doesn't work well in the freezing cold water. <laughs> no. so. uh, and then I bought a Lowrance hook four. Okay. Closer, so it's a horizontal instead of a vertical. <laughs> and I find that the Lowrance has a better flasher mode on it than the Garmin does. Uh, but the Garmin has actually been better for me. Hmm, I like okay. my Garmin a little bit better. It holds up better to the the elements in the winter, and I have waypoints stored on it and everything. Mm-hmm. There's no GPS in it, but if I'm walking out on a lake, I can go right back to that exact setup Correct. I walked out on and go right to the spot. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And then we use Navionics. Is uh, it pretty accurate for your lakes out there? Um, pretty much. Yeah, Navionics, I mean, if I go out in my boat or my parents' boat and I go out there and I can actually put a set of contours over Navionics for what I'm seeing, and I can go that way as well. So I can actually mm-hmm. help improve that. They do allow you to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I mark my waypoints and they're all the exact same in the winter. Cool. So that's Yeah, that's the most accurate we have unless we're spending a ton of money getting the higher end you know, fish finders. Yeah, there's a diminishing point in returns on some of those, some of the options. Oh, absolutely. Of course, I I always encourage Jeff to buy them so I can look at them. I I was just watching live scope trout. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) You guys have live scope yet or has that not been? No, that's beyond our budget. The Minister of Finance and War has not approved that particular purchase yet, but (laughs) I'll keep asking. I've seen it on YouTube. (laughs) Yeah, it's a friend of mine fished a bass tournament this summer and he had it in his boat and it is insane. Yeah. Yeah. It is really cool. I just, from looking at the, the live scope, it is a lot of screwing around too, though. Um, so that's what I, that's what I keep telling myself Yeah, that it seems like a lot of work. Well, it's a lot to carry with you and a lot to have for a setup on the ice on the boat. You just mount it to your trolling motor on the front and you don't have to worry about oh, yeah. your with ice, you have to carry that pole to put it down and the extra massive battery you have to have to run it. And I mean, you're carrying way more than what the three of us would go out there on the ice with for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've, I've always cautioned Jeff though, about over expand, overextending himself on a summer fishing expenditures. Yes. So yes. yeah, but they can work for you in favor in wintertime too. That's true. That's true. It's a good point. It's a good yep. point. I Although think his trolling looks- motor doesn't work for crap in the winter. So. No. <laughs> but that is the i mean we're going off ice fishing here but that that uh trolling motor is worth its weight in gold oh it's so good so jeff good. should we ask him a little bit about the fly fishing long as long as we've got him here yeah let's do that because I, I know um i know well, you know a little, little bit more than i do i know i've more fly fish with you jay more than anybody else that one weekend <laughs> so. yeah well I, I tried once to actually fly fish and i kept hitting myself on the back of the head and i'm assuming that's not how it works um <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i have the the coordination so how long have you been fly fishing i've been fly fishing for well i when i was 21 i started um a friend of mine uh, we we bought a rod on a whim to add another fishing rod to our plethora of things that we have going on and we figured it's the same way you would cast a regular rod and well no it's definitely not <laughs> no i found that out uh, so I tried it, didn't work. So I broke it down, put it in the closet, left it there. 
I went on a camping trip to Pittsburgh shortly after my 21st birthday. And a friend of mine said, well, we're going to go up and you can only fly fish and we're not going to bring a lot of food. And this is your situation. And here you go. If you catch a fish, great. You have dinner. If you don't, that's it. I like it. So the first day I didn't catch anything. The second day we finally caught a good amount for dinner. So I learned over the course of say 16, 17 hours, he brought me right up to speed. And then I've just gone with it. Um, I went to Orvis about 11 years ago and did the fly fishing school there and was oh. the advanced fly fishing school. Cause they found out that I already know how to fly fish. Oh, um, so I was put in the higher, the, I was given more technical things to work on and more technical things to look at. And my dad kind of was still in the beginner group. So <laughs> it was all kind of the same thing. It's just, we worked on different techniques. And, um, ever since that specific day on that trip that my dad and I took, I stuck with fly fishing and stayed with it and been two years as a guide now for Orvis endorsed lodge, the Woodstock in. So it's been, it's been a dream come true for sure. That's cool. That's cool. I always, you know, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. It's neat to see people that have been able to take a passion and make a living out of it. So that's awesome. I wouldn't say quite a living because I do have to supplement it with uh, rooming the trails and trail work and stuff like that. Sure. For skiing and mountain biking and hiking. But most of the trips we did, ju- I did just shy of a hundred fly fishing trips. Wow. This year. Um, we did just under 400. I think it, the numbers were, I didn't get the final numbers for the year, but I think it was right around just under 400 trips for the fly fishing season, uh, which just ended the end of October. Wow. Cool. But you'll, you'll catch me on the rivers this winter. There, there's two rivers in Vermont that we fish year round and you'll catch me on one of those in January or February for sure. So I'm assuming for waiters, then you don't have like the $50 frog tog ones. Uh no, Orvis pros. <laughs> yeah, Orvis pros. <laughs> and then I wear um, thermal underwear with a pair of pants over it. Uh, you know, and then the waiters on top of that, uh, with like double wool socks for comfort in your feet because it gets kind of cold fast. Oh man, I'm at sitting in that cold water. Yeah. I don't think ice fishing's cold. Go stand <laughs> in the water and see how it is. Right. Well, we we've talked about that. So like we've been up. I've been up on in Canada one year. We were up there and. We're supposed to ice fish, but it got warm. So we're in a boat, but a boat at 35 degrees is cold, oh, yeah. like super cold compared to like ice fishing at 35 degrees is like nice. Oh yeah. It's comfortable. I'm in a, it, I'm in a sweatshirt and jeans usually. Yeah. But you go the other way and you put yourself in a boat at that temperature and you're, you're just cold as heck. So oh, absolutely, just, it's just weird. Well, do, did you come with a, a good ice fishing story for us tonight? Do you have a favorite story to tell that you tell so, your clients or your kids or whoever? <laughs> so we were, all right. So about three years ago, no, actually, sorry. I take that back five years ago, a friend of mine that I was in CrossFit with had said to me, let's go fish for Lakers. And it was bright early in the morning. We went to this ledge that we had seen people fish before and you can clearly tell where they put their bob houses because the ice is melted in that perfectly square pattern with the big mounds of snow all the way around it. So we went and tapped their holes open. Um, right off in the morning, the sun wasn't even risen over the, the mountain yet. I had my tip up out and I had a hole that I was jigging and I felt a little bit of a thump on it. So I thought I caught the bottom and I ripped on the hook to try to break it free. And it was probably my biggest Laker year to date so far. 
um, at weighing just shy of six pounds. Wow. Uh, so we, got, we ended up going back and forth all day. He caught one, I'd catch one. He caught the flag finally went off at sunrise. So we pulled a Laker in on that. We ended up getting right around 55 Lakers in four and a half hours. Holy crap. And they all were a minimum of four pounds. Wow. So we ended up taking two home each because you're allowed two. And we, what I did with mine, and this is what I ended up taking away from it, and this is the biggest thing that I like to talk about, is we had a uh, ice fishing competition show called Ice Holes, sponsored by National Geographic took place on Lake Winnipesaukee and a couple other bodies of water. One of the guys cooked lake trout. So I talked to him shortly after that show was done and over with, and he actually stuffs his lake trout. And I thought that's a great way to do it because they taste horrible if you don't <laughs> add flavor to them. Okay. <laughs> so I stuffed mine with crab meat and breadcrumbs and sewed it back together and drizzled it with butter and threw it on the grill. Mm-hmm. And it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It was just mouth-watering excitement. It was perfect. That's awesome. Every time now, every time we go back to that spot, we can't even get the location we have marked. There's always a Bob house sitting right there because oh. we'll know exactly what's going on. <laughs> it's it's like the spot on the spot. Like you have to be right there. Yeah, it's usually yeah. right there, or maybe three or four feet to either yeah. side of it. It's kind of like a, a little valley, um, but they all the bait gets pushed up to a a wall where sure. they're right off so that's what they're all sitting there for but that's the most fish i've ever caught in one day and it was the most exciting day so what time of day did you start fishing uh we started at 7 30 in the morning okay okay yeah when that's when we put our first because that was right at sunrise so that's when we started and we were actually able to see but usually my traps or my holes are all drilled and ready to go by 5 5 30 wow yeah oh yeah it gets crazy well, I loved how you said over the mountain as the sun came I over know. the mountain. You know, like we don't have that here. I mean, we have some big no. hills. But I'll no. send, you, send you guys a picture of it because it's a really awesome photo. To cool. Look how it looks. Well, Colby, we really, really appreciate you coming on the show. It's been awesome talking to you and getting to know yeah. you better and hearing about your fishing out there in New Hampshire and Vermont. Yeah, I think uh, we're going to yeah. figure out how to get out there. Absolutely. You definitely should. It would be awesome to have you guys out and show you around. All right. Well, Thank you, Colby, again for being on the show. And uh, Jeff, I think that's all we got for tonight. All right, tight lines. Cheers. Bye. You've been listening to the Hard Water Fishing Show with Jeff and Jason. Say goodbye. One of the most unique podcasts on the planet where we talk about tactics, gear, and ice fishing legends. We'll be back soon. Bye-bye. Till then, signing off. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.